You're listening to Lessons from the Boardroom, a business podcast with Kevin Minton, CEO of Chief Executive Boards. Hey, everyone. I'm Kevin Minton, and welcome to our podcast. Hey, I am really excited about our podcast today, and we're going to be hosting a gentleman who I've known for almost seven years. He is the owner and president of Skyline Exhibits and Designs, and most recently, he started a southeastern office for a company called Innovative Environments, which is dedicated to custom fabrication and installation of branded corporate environments, as well as signage for the luxury multifamily and corporate spaces. Originally from New York, Steve and his wife now reside in the upstate of South Carolina. His 40-year sales and marketing career began in the television program industry and continues today helping clients succeed in the global trade show and event space. He's also the author of The Reality of BS, Big Sales, that is. Please join me in welcoming our, to the, uh, our guest today, Steve Hoffman. Steve, welcome to the show. Kevin, thank you. It sounds like you've encapsulated my life, and I don't know, you might you might not want to lie to your audience. It's a 40-year career. That, that would make it seem like I'm older than my 29 years. You must have started when you were really young. Yeah, 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 uh, pre-womb or some such thing. So, Steve, uh, before we get started discussing your journey with Skyline and Innovative Environments, Please start out by sharing a little background about yourself so our audience can get to know you a little better. So you you mentioned originally from New York, uh, born in the city, grew up on Long Island. College was up in uh, Syracuse at Syracuse University. And um, I went there specifically to uh, enter the television broadcast field. My first career was in the television syndication sales space, uh, which is essentially selling television programs to individual markets or individual stations throughout the country. Did that for, oh, I think it was uh, 12 years, and I had worked at TV stations throughout college. And uh, back, back when I was in high school, I actually, on the technical side, got a... Uh, FCC engineering uh, license to operate the radio transmitters. So kind of uh, started early in in, uh, in that respect. I, I guess my entire career going from television through to trade shows and even to some of the, the newer ventures now, innovative environments, as well as within, within our uh, skyline we also have created a few virtual projects and products. It really, I've done one thing consistently, which is selling of marketing tools to companies that are interested in positioning themselves and, and their brands in their buyers' eyes and minds. That's great, Steve. So sounds like you've had a, uh, a long-time, uh, illustrious career of a lot of sales and marketing, um, and, and especially in that TV space. But how long have you? Let's just let's just dive into your companies now that that you own, and how long have you been in in the current space that you're in today? So I've been with Skyline for 26 years. I believe I've owned the company now um, just shy of 15 years. 
then the the innovative environments part is still in its uh, embryonic and startup phase, but uh, we're a few months into that. Okay, so let's let's dive into that. Tell us a little bit about your business and what you do. Okay, so let's start with the Skyline Exhibits and Design Mothership. Skyline is a trade show marketing company. We are part of a global network. There's an entity in Minnesota called Skyline Exhibits. They manufacture stuff. They work exclusively through a dealer, uh, dedicated dealership network throughout the uh, the country and uh, and the world. We're in a little over thirty uh, something countries, but uh, I think collectively we probably have about 120 offices somewhere somewhere in that range. Skyline, the the dealership offices. We work with the end user client on um, strategy. On the primary revenue generator is the sale of exhibits and graphics and related trade show services. So those those related services can include um, consulting, training. Uh, mostly, it's on the service side, which involves storage and asset management of their trade show exhibits. So. Here in my Greenville, South Carolina location, we store, I think, about 115 different clients' exhibits. Uh, we'll prep every exhibit and display before it goes out to a show. So we're we're handling uh, hundreds and actually thousands of individual shows in the course of a of a given year. Well, Steve, tell us how how did you get started in this business? What was it that drew you to this? <laughs> Well, um, I'll, t- I'll try and do a short version of the reality here. I wanted out of early midlife crisis, wanted to get out of New York City. I was in the television syndication business, traveling the world, and um, everywhere I went, people seemed to have better lifestyle than I did. And so I wanted that for my young family at the time. And um First moved out to Pennsylvania, stayed in the same industry, but uh, that was a short-term move, knowing I wanted to get to the southeast. Came down to Greenville. Um, I was looking primarily in a couple of other larger markets for a position, but um, there was a position in uh, the Fox television station here that they uh, kind of adapted to me. and, and um, fell in love with the town. This, of course, is before Greenville was actually the Greenville of today, which is, uh, I think, one of the best-kept secrets of of great cities. Um, Anyway, I went to work at Fox, and it was my first experience in in a cubicle. And my mentality was I had last been, I had an office on Madison Avenue, a second office in Atlanta. I had two secretaries outside of my office, and now I was in a cubicle. Horrible uh, experience from 10 a.m. on my first day of work. I knew it would not work out, but dedicated six months or so to making it work, and um, then found an ad in a newspaper that I really had no idea what the hell they were looking for, but I was sure I could do it. 
applied for that job. The uh, hiring manager wanted to meet in a hotel lobby because he didn't want the person I'd be replacing to know that they were under the gun. And uh, the hiring manager didn't show up for the meeting. So being a New Yorker who was both vulnerable and pissed off, I left him a a note that had a nice healthy variety of uh, FUs in it. Lo and behold, that same afternoon, he called me, apologized for the mix-up in the schedule, but said, I think we'll get along great. He hired me, and um, that that was uh, for a sales position. The Greenville office of Skyline at the time was a satellite office of a larger company based up in North Carolina. There were five offices in total in that company. About eight months after I joined them in sales, the owner uh, passed away very suddenly, and his surviving widow um, hired a succession of professional management types over the next few years. And with each hire, uh, she added more responsibility to me. And within about two years, I was no longer just selling locally. Uh, I was managing uh, the five offices across three states and still selling locally. So needless to say, it was uh, somewhere about 90-hour weeks for many years to come. Um, But it was a great experience uh, learning about uh, management and eventually ownership. Uh, Working for her was sort of my, my grad school and both in terms of what to do and what not to do. And eventually, I uh, started trying to buy the company, had a financial partner. The primary vendor did not want to keep the company in its current three-state, five-office form. They wanted to break it up. And uh, so eventually, uh, she found two other groups, and she and I sold off uh, the five offices to two other parties, plus I bought a chunk, restarted essentially with myself um, and one sales rep who was still with me on um, uh, technically, I guess it was January 1, 2006. And we've just grown since then. Interesting. So you mentioned that you have two companies. So there's uh, you've got Skyline and, and then your other company as well. And so how have you been working on blending these two companies together? Uh, It's a work in process, and it's very exciting. Um, The innovative environment southeast is essentially a uh, sales office for a Houston-based company called Innovative Environments, and it's an amazing extension of something we've dabbled in under the Skyline Trade Show Company for years of creating uh, visual impact pieces for other types of environments, um, showrooms, lobbies, uh, including some some very uh, well-known corporate players in this area. But we never really pushed it, and um, I've been wanting to do that for some number of years. The, The advent of the COVID pandemic kind of accelerated that. And uh, a gentleman who owns Innovative Environments in Houston and I have known each other for 20 plus years uh, through Skyline. And he had um, started in a similar fashion of doing um, environments, non-trade show environments 
uh, through his his trade show company, and then found that by spinning it off and focusing on environments, there was far more receptivity amongst the uh, target prospects. And uh, he's assembled a phenomenal team of craftsmen, estimators, consultants, designers. So looking at that, to to put it together myself would have been a many-year both uh, learning curve and people challenge. And right now, with uh, trade shows on what I hope is a temporary pause and not having the excess revenue to invest in that learning curve and the the uh, people resources, uh, setting up a distribution uh, company for him has uh, was a great step. And um, we're uh, together working on adding some other um, beachheads and offices around the country. And uh, already the uh, innovative environments in the past uh, four or five years, I think, has done projects in over 20 states. And uh, so it's, it's super exciting, and it's putting us in essentially into the construction industry, which is largely still healthy. Our clients, more often than not, are going to be uh, uh, interior designers and architects and general contractors as opposed to the end user. So that's a key difference from, from our trade show business. The similarity, though, is understanding that blend of uh, aesthetic with function. And also, there's an element of timeline, which uh, being in the trade show industry, we've had to become expert at. So all in all, myself and uh, most of the team here is is very excited um, about this, this alternative revenue stream. Very nice. Well, you know, sometimes we have to get creative during uh, times like this, and I'm sure that that's uh, gonna gonna look very different for you, for you as you come out on the other end this situation. And it sounds like that's a very complimentary business to your existing trade show business. So what what is it that kind of sets your company apart from from others out there, Steve? Well, if you look at the two parts of that 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 business, the innovative environments and the trade shows, um, on the innovative environments side, there's a certain uh, uniqueness in that we can. The reason we have uh, innovative environments has had success to date, really, is there's a uh, sort of a one-stop shop ability. They do custom and high-end fabrication, and they can back it with the installation of the finished product as well as front-end design if necessary. As I mentioned earlier, a lot of our design comes to us from from architects or from, uh, from interior designers and that. But having uh, design through installation is not terribly common in that industry. The, does that, does that sure. help to uh, – I'm sorry to interrupt you, but does That's that – quite all right. Does, does that uh, lower your, your cost structure, or what does that do for you? Let's us control quality. It actually puts us in a uh, de facto consulting role to our clients, which is 
sort of uh, appeals to me personally. It's it's always where I've liked to wind up. If you tell me I've got to wake up and sell something every day, uh, I'm going to go, yes, but. The but is there needs to be something more. I've got to know that I'm helping an organization in some sure. way, shape, or form. On the trade show side of things that set us apart, again, there's a, a quality factor. Most of what we sell is, is, I guess, what I would call a semi-premium product in terms of uh, standard items, but we 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 have uh, so we have standard pieces and parts. In fact, Skyline manufactures over forty thousand different SKUs or part numbers that can come together like Tinker Toys or Legos. But uh, Skyline Exhibits and Design has our own in-house custom shop, and the Skyline Manufacturing Group has a huge custom capabilities. And so one thing is we're selling both custom and modular. A second uh, differentiator that truly in this instance is some, is unique. Um, we've got uh, a global network for the installation and dismantle of a show. That's critical because clients that are just using a shows, a trade shows, general contractor, there's there's no accountability. There's no sense of responsibility. We have an ongoing relationship with our clients that doesn't exist between some union guy up in Chicago and whoever happens to hire them that day. And that's huge because of the potential for uh, or the challenge to getting it right in the first place. And often some of the biggest problems that that trade show exhibitors incur are after the show. It's repacking of the exhibit and what they need for the next show is then damaged or missing or not properly um, accounted for in between shows. So, so I mean, you, you spoke about some of the challenges there and, uh, you, you know, that, that you guys alleviate for your clients and customers. Uh, to tell us, let's, I mean, we, we've gotten a lot of detail here about kind of your business and what you're doing and so forth. I, I really want to pivot here for a moment and just move towards uh, a, a little different angle and talk about, since you brought it up, some of those challenges uh, for your for your customers. Let's, let's pivot over towards what's been the biggest challenge that you have faced as the president uh, of, of Skyline and, and of Innovative Environments so far. What's, what's been your biggest challenge up to date in business ownership? As a business owner, I, I, I think to, to put it succinctly, it would be managing expectations. And in that respect, um, you know, we have to address the expectations of our staff, the expectations of our clients, the expectations of our vendors. Um, I guess you could add to that uh, banks it's important in my mind to always keep things real. On the sales side, yes, you want to paint a, an optimistic picture, but optimistic optimism has to be real. And that includes um, having my team, that, especially my sales team, who obviously wants the fewest possible obstacles towards a sale there are minefields throughout the entire trade show process. And we do our clients a disservice 
if we don't point them out and help them navigate those minefields. So uh, I'd say toughest thing for me overall is, is managing the expectations. That that goes on the internal side of things as well. You know, I have we have six uh, six different salespeople. They all think, of course, their project is the most important at any given time, and so um, we have to. We might have standards internally that say we're going to turn around a. Uh, photorealistic full color rendering for you to present to your client in five days, but that makes an assumption we don't have 12 other renderings before you. Um, so, so there are processes, and that is all important. Um, I've always managed my business. Um, where we have a huge document that is our policy manuals, but we also have a much shorter collection of operating principles and company goals. And by um, by managing to those uh, three company goals and um, uh, four operating principles, uh, it's a it's a fantastic way to to enable people to manage themselves. So it sounds like, you know, you naturally gravitating towards the sales side of, of business. Uh, th- that must have been a, a real challenge for you. And and you're and from what I hear you saying, it sounds like, you know, having the policies or the guidelines in place and and holding back those some of those expectations, not over promising and under delivering um, is, is sort of that that major challenge. And. Help, you help make a, clarify, yeah, yeah. How, yeah, how, you, how you, yeah, how do you manage to that? <laughs> well, um, I'll say I manage to that a lot better now than 15 years ago or 25 years ago. Yeah, would you um, say that you've been? Would when, you say that you've been burned a couple of times, and maybe that I has uh, so. taught you some valuable lessons? Or yeah, no, I know, I know, I know a lot of people are going to listen to your content, your uh, your podcast now, but this is a secret. Not everything takes five minutes, <laughs> and um, so so coming out of sales myself, um, I I was probably guilty as much as any other salesperson of knowing what I need and wanting it now. When you switch from sales to management and management to ownership, the priorities obviously change. You're now looking at uh, an overall organizational structure, and so um, a, a big part of my job in recent years has been uh, less on day-to-day projects and less on uh, direct client involvement, and more on molding processes, procedures. Uh, and and uh, building company culture so that it can all work. I would not have been able to do that without having the right team in place. Uh, one of my, I don't know, personal little mantras has always been a, a company is basically a collection of people. That's That's been one of the hardest things lately in the COVID crisis is... Um, it's damage to some some great people that, that we've worked hard to 
attract, train, retain, incentivize, continue to to train, expand, and challenge. And now, just because of the nature of of what's gone on with our industry on on a total shutdown, um, although we hold on to a core group, we were not able to hold on to everyone. And uh, that makes me sad and frustrated in that uh, someone had uh, recently asked, what's, what's one of your biggest successes? And I said, well, it's my collection of people that I have. We have just a phenomenal team. And that's been shared with me by both clients and vendors and, and others in the know. What it, it just kills me that, um, that the team the team now has to be rebuilt. So that that was going to be my next question was you know what what was your biggest success in, in running the company? And it sounds like maybe the team of people that you had collected uh, throughout the years or built or assembled throughout the years. Is, is that correct? Or yeah, yeah, I would say that. And uh, I'll tell you another thing. When I think about successes, that often define success, and it's probably a, a brilliant uh, wordsmith that could could state this more eloquently. But over the years, I, I look at the success of many of the clients that that we've worked with. Uh, when I go back over the last uh, twenty five years plus in this in this business. And uh, see small companies that that grew very large, and while certainly we can't claim to be, you know, the reason they succeeded, uh, I know we were a part of it in certain instances. And um, the only ones and those that that frustrate me are the ones that started out as uh, uh, one-man bands and grew quickly, and then their owners sold and retired very early in life. And I said, well, what about me? So Steve, uh, you, you talk about a couple of successes there. Uh, and I just want to kind of dig a little deeper here and ask you if you can sort of trace back and identify maybe what contributed to you achieving those successes. I think a, a key thing was redefining what redefining the potential benefits that our clients could get from face-to-face trade show exhibit marketing and and I'll I'll give you a couple of well, well try and add some color to that there was a pervasive mentality when I got into this business that people came to our company to buy a booth. And I actually would tell people, you really don't want to buy a booth. You don't want to rent a booth. What you want to do is achieve something. So let's talk about what it is you're trying to achieve. Why are you attending the trade show? Is it simply to get leads? Well, sure, everyone wants some of that. Or is it to uh, network and spend more time with existing clients? Well, that'd be nice. But And while you're talking to these existing clients, why don't you bounce your ideas off of them for future products you might bring to market so you don't go out and waste hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions of dollars in RD&I and, until you figure out there's actually going to be a market. 
And while you're at the trade show, why don't you also spend some time with the trade press? And by the way, are you measuring towards the goals you're setting for yourself at a trade show? And by the way, the biggest factor in success at a trade show is your booth staff. What is it you're doing to train them? And so by opening some people's eyes to best practices and helping them, um, I think I think that's what's led to a lot of uh, long-term solid client relationships and uh, and helped our company grow. So, so tell me, Steve, um, that, that's some great color on how, how you've helped your company to grow. What what are some of those? you know, mistakes or some of the biggest mistakes that you're seeing clients making out there? I think there's still a big problem that companies spend a lot of money, a lot of resources, energy, time uh, going to a trade show and forget to say something. They, they, um, they have maybe taglines that are part of their logo that are completely meaningless. They don't uh, use it to introduce a new product or or call attention to something that is old but maybe is repackaged as new because the number one reason people go to a trade show is to see what's new. Um, at a minimum, companies need to say who they are, what it is they do, and why someone should come in and learn more. Uh, part of the thing challenging that last aspect of of saying why someone should come in is most companies make the mistake of listing features as opposed to benefits. No one really cares about the benefits of most products. I'm sorry, no one really cares about the detailed features unless you're talking something highly technical. They want to know the benefit. Is it going to improve their production throughput? Is it going to uh, lower manufacturing costs? Is it going to bring their stuff to market faster? Is it going to make their lives easier? Will it address a particular problem, uh, whether it's labor or uh, access to inventory? Um, so there's there's uh, an ongoing challenge, I think, uh, for a lot of exhibitors in crafting the proper messaging. Um, I think secondly, um, big challenge that uh, that exists in the industry is people not working on a proper timeline. Um, you know, we, as my company, uh, half the time we have people here wearing Superman capes because of our clients uh, not adhering to timelines that that we're establishing at the front end of a project. And time is never your friend in the trade show industry. You always want to have as much of it as possible because if you wind up getting crunched, everything's going to cost more and everything's going to be more stressful. Well, Steve, that's certainly uh, certainly very interesting uh, take on some of the mistakes that people are making. And hopefully our listeners are paying attention to a lot of the experience that you have shared with uh, with, with everyone today. Uh, I'm going to turn the tables on you here, and mm-hmm. I know that uh, it's been a, a kind of a difficult time given the COVID situation and what's happened in, in uh, the trade show industry uh, up to this point, but I'm going to ask you, what is it that makes you optimistic 
about the future of your business? That's an easy one, actually, Kevin. Um, you know, business at its core relies on innovation. And when I say business, I'm talking about the, the concept of, of uh, commercial industry. I'm not talking about my business. But new products coming to market will always be in search of new markets. A trade show, by definition, essentially is this magical place where time becomes more valuable and more efficient, where in one place, at one time, you have all of your best prospects, you have all of your best clients, and you have the opportunity as a business to impact how they, how they think about you, what they see, and what they, what they think about you going forward from that point of impact. And I don't know of any other opportunity that a marketer has to impact so many that are so important to them in such an efficient manner. So in that respect, I, I have high faith that, that trade shows will be back. They're already uh, back in Asia. Uh, they've started up throughout um, South America and Europe. Come October 1, Great Britain, I believe, is opening uh, all of its convention facilities as well. And um, we started to see a, a very, very slow trickle of reopening here in the States uh, of, of the big venues. Uh, Orlando Convention Center is, uh, is now reopened. Uh, that's not to say it's not going to be tough through till uh, probably first quarter next year. I'm hoping by second quarter next year that, that the trickle has started to become a uh, more of a running uh, running faucet. But um, it's likely going to be a year or more until things come back to close to where they were. Um, certainly the advent of any sort of, uh, COVID vaccine is going to accelerate that, but let's go back to your original question. What makes me hopeful? It's the essence of the power of face-to-face -face marketing. You're not usually going to do a, uh, multi-million dollar deal via a Zoom meeting. You're, you're, you can't build the same kind of relationships that you do at trade shows. And when I'm talking about at trade shows, it's not just that, that, that few minutes someone's in your booth. It's the time you spend having coffee in the morning. It's the uh, hanging out in the hotel bar at night. That is all part of the power of trade shows. Well, Steve, you certainly have shed a lot of color uh, in history and insight into your business and what you do. And we really appreciate uh, you, you taking the time to do that today. And we're about out of time and I want to wrap this up. And so I'm going to ask you, where is the best place for our listeners to go in order to connect with you? Well, you can start on other of our websites, uh, skylinexd.com or for the environments um, division, it would be Innovenv.com, I-N-N-O-V-E-N-V.com. And if you start there, that works. Otherwise, just pick up the phone, give us a call. And for 26 years, our entire mentality has been, how can we help you? 
Fantastic, Steve. Well, thank you so much for taking time with us today and sharing your wisdom and experience with everyone. It's been very insightful and very helpful. It's been a real pleasure having you on the show today. I look forward my to pleasure. reconnecting with you. Yeah, I look forward to reconnecting with you again soon, Steve. Very good. Thank you, Kevin. The Lessons from the Boardroom podcast is sponsored by Chief Executive Boards. It's lonely at the top, but that doesn't mean you need to go it alone. We've got your back. At Chief Executive Boards, you have access to business best practices, insights, and resources that can help you eliminate the stress, anxiety, and pitfalls of running a business. Whenever you're ready, here's how we can help. Number one, get a copy of Kevin's book, In Search of Balance, The Business Owner's Guide to Building a Business and a Life at chiefexecutiveboards.com slash book. Number two, attend a Chief Executive Boards event in your area to find out if CEBI can help you. For a list of upcoming events in your area, go to chiefexecutiveboards.com slash events or call 864-527-5917.